and welcome to the Realist You Podcast, a podcast designed for stressed out women who struggle to take care of their health and happiness. In these episodes, you'll learn all about what's blocking you from taking massive action around your personal health and wellness and how to overcome it using mindset and emotional management. Let's dive in. Alrighty. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Realist You podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. And on today's show, I have this wonderful guest. His name is Bryant Malone. He works here in Salem with World Financial Group, and he's also just like a badass dude. He's got his own podcast. He has already been going on this journey of personal self-growth and transformation, and I am so excited for you guys to hear all about his story. So if you were to go ahead and introduce yourself, Bryant, and tell us a little about you. Yeah, so uh, as you said, my name is Brian Malone. Um, lived in Salem for a majority of my life, a Salemite through and through. Um, so as you mentioned, I work with World Financial Group. And you know, my whole story, um, as you said, personal development growth uh, really evolves around this company, why I got started. Um, you know, Before, for the majority of my life, uh, I was the kind of person who just lived day by day, uh, kind of just went by the, the seat of the pants, uh, kind of just, you know, going with the flow with life. Um, and then, you know, my wife and I, uh, getting married at a very young age, um, a lot of stuff we went through really struggled and eventually it led us to a, a dark place financially. Right. Uh, you know, that's how I got involved with the company I'm with now, um, to the point to where I was 26, we filed for bankruptcy. Uh, it was one of those things I never thought I was going to end up there. Um, and just really, took a look at my financial life and realized that I had not uh, been really in control of it, um, wasn't educated much with it. And it's kind of uh, one of those moments where I, I view it as like a godsend, like, you know, there's all these things that are coincidence and I don't really view them as coincidence. I feel like it happened for a reason to where shortly after that, um, you know, a friend had reached out to me and he's like, uh, you know, I was sharing with him um, the stuff that I had went through and he's like, oh man, you know, I've been going through these financial classes. You should come check them out. Like they're completely free and you're going to learn a bunch of stuff. I was like, yeah, you know, I should probably go like, this is not a coincidence moment. It's like, you know, yeah. they happen hand in hand. So long story short, um, you know, I learned so much about finances to the point that uh, I wanted to now help other people. Um, so I grabbed onto an opportunity to get involved with that company. And getting involved with that company was probably one of the best things in my life because it led me down this path of, of self-development and self-growth. You know, like I said, for the majority of my life, uh, just kind of just flew by the seat of my pants and I always just kind of worked as an employee. And I have this thing where I call it uh, an employee by mindset versus an entrepreneur or business owner mindset. Yes. Really a different mindset there. I found it's like when you're an employee, um, you know, you, you're not really, you don't, you don't look at your life same. Right, because you're somebody else is always in control of your life in a sense that you're just working a job. You just go, you get things done, you go home, do your nine to five, whatever. You're good. When you get into the business world, you realize that you have to really be more proactive and more in control of your everyday life and what you want to do. And that if you, and, and number one, your success depends on you. And if you want to be successful, you got to find a way to grow. Right, you can't. Uh, business, go into an entrepreneur, expect to be successful and stay the person you are. You have to be willing to change and grow. And that's how I got introduced to this self-help world. And I realized that I need to start changing. I need to start learning. I need to start improving on myself if I wanted to be successful because my success now depended on me. It wasn't dependent on me. Just I couldn't just you know go nine to five work and expect to 
receive results. I had to go beyond that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that just led up to where I am now. And it's just been this amazing journey, as you said, you know, that I've been on. (laughs) Wow. What an amazing story. I think that's so incredible. And it really does speak to like the heart of entrepreneurship and like why somebody goes out on their own and starts their own business or starts working for somebody, but more or less is like completely responsible for their own results. So it's like, a lot of the people that we know, especially in our modern world today are doing like either small enterprises where they are working for like network marketing companies, or they work for like a larger conglomerate that does allow you to basically be completely in charge of yourself. Even when this is kind of like a random side thing, but like, even when uh, my sister and my mom both worked for Nordstrom, yeah, they were getting paid hourly, but man, that commission. Like that was what people were after. And that was all about the hustle. So it was like, if you could really dig your toes in and really like take full advantage of all of the classes that they provided, all of the sales techniques, all of the information that they gave to their associates because they wanted them to be successful and they provided incentives and all sorts of things. Like I remember my sister, she used to come home with new bags and new makeup and all sorts of stuff just because she like really was able to take all the information that they had provided her as an associate in sales and apply it really, really well. Like the girl could sell garbage to a garbage man. It was amazing, but she was amazing and really made her customers feel like they were getting a super personalized experience and like really selling to people in the way that they want to be sold, which I think is so interesting and so fascinating. like yet really yucky sales tactics that feel pushy and feel negative and don't feel leave the the customer or the client feeling amazing but there's also sales tactics where it's like literally you are using human psychology and helping someone be able to get over themselves long enough to actually yes. take advantage of the solution like and we are constantly selling ourselves on things like you're selling yourself on that potential like passive gum purchase in line at the grocery store like you're constantly uh, going back and forth between like should I buy this? Should I not buy this? And like, whatever you do is what you've essentially sold yourself on the best. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's so fascinating to me, but I am super curious, like as somebody who used to work in a like more or less hourly position and also has transferred into an entrepreneurial type of job, do you ever find that like in those low moments when you are feeling like scarce and fearful and when things are not going right, do you ever have that like thing in the back of your mind? That's like, man, maybe I should just go back to working for somebody else. <laughs> uh, you know what? That is a hundred percent there. It, it, it really is because here's the thing about the sales industry that I explain to people. And, you know, I talked about people who express fears is that it's a double-edged sword And that on one end, you have so much potential to create your future. But on the other end, you can easily cut yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Easily cut yourself. Now, in sales industry, you know, there's so much control in creating your future and stuff like that. But the fact that it's 100% up to you definitely does create that fear because a job is easy. A job, and I say that a job is easy in the fact that Typically, as long as you go and do what is minimally required of you for a period of time, you know what you're going to get paid, right? You, you know what out at the end. In the sales world, entrepreneur world, business world, you could put in a 40-hour work week and get the equivalent of 20 hours of pay. 
you could put in a 20 hour work week and get the equivalent of 40 hours pay. It, it fluctuates and it, it's not a linear um, pattern, you know, like we expect. And when you're in an employee, you're kind of, I feel like you're kind of groomed to that. You're linear because you know that, okay, 40 hours of work equals this, boom. Okay, good. Business world is completely different. And so there's a lot of um, faith and I don't mean faith in the fact like, you know, just letting things go, but a lot of faith needed to have in just the faith that things can happen and determination and, and continue a stick to itness that that's required in the business world. So yeah, that fear is definitely there. And there's a lot of times where I sit there, I'm like, you know what? I've been doing this for a while. And sometimes I wonder, oh, should I just, should I just go get a job? You know, should, should I go, is this right for me or stuff like that? So yeah, that fear is always there. It's, it's oh always- yeah. That's so interesting. So like for you, I'm sure that you work with or end up having a lot of clients who either are hourly employees or they are salaried or, and they work for somebody else, or they are like, or one, one person in the partnership is a stay at home and they don't work and they take care of kids. And so like, it is so interesting to me seeing those different mentalities and mindsets. But then when you work with somebody specifically, you're trying to talk to them exclusively about their money and about their money mindset. So I think it's really interesting trying to walk that line of talking to someone who is very much in that world of like money comes from other people. I don't have the ability to create it for myself. Mm. And so how on earth am I supposed to have this like money mindset or have this positive relationship with money to be able to create it for myself when I've always believed and even now still have great evidence to say that it comes from other people? Well, you you look at it this way and I, and, and you know, we've talked about this in our conversations, like I love um, deep psycho- psychology conversations, stuff like that. And so let's look at the subconscious, right? When you're a child, your subconscious is um, the most forefront, meaning that it's the most susceptible. We hear this all the time. You're you're the most susceptible to to anything when you're a younger age because the subconscious is more forefront. When you're a child, you're constantly hearing things like money doesn't grow from tree, right? We can't can't have that. And so you grow up with this negative feeling around money that it is something that is finite. We are constantly told everything around us throughout our lives for the majority of us is, is, is shouting us that money is finite. So then when we get older, is it any surprise that now we have this mindset about money that it's finite? And that is something that even being in the financial world, even being in the business world, it's still something that's hard to, to grasp with. And, and I have to struggle to remind myself that, you know, money is not finite, that money is something that is literally, there's an abundance, abundance of it and you can go create more because it's something that's just deeply rooted in my subconscious that it is a finite thing. And that's where that scarcity and that, that fear around, and I'm not going to have enough or, or, you know, I'm not going to be able to get more or what I have. This is the last I have until that check comes through. And, and, you know, and I say this and I want to say, you know, nothing wrong with people who are employees or work as employees. Like if you love what you do and stuff like that, that's great. But this is just my outside perspective is that when I was working as an employee, it's so easy to just play deeper into that fear of money because when you have that, you know, expected paycheck time, it just plays into that, you know, well, this $500 that I have left for my, my paycheck is all I have left. You know, I'm scared. I'm not going to get more until that next paycheck comes. And when that next paycheck comes, it's like, okay, now I have more. And then you run out, you're like, oh crap, next paycheck. And it's this constant fluctuate versus 
when you get into the entrepreneur world, when you actually get things going and you can really grasp onto that ability to create um, a, a, a limitless amount, that fear goes away. And it's, it's, um, it's just, it's a different mentality because now it's like, you know what? I can just go create more. If I don't have enough, let's go create more. Yeah. I think one of the really interesting things about entrepreneurship is that you are learning to flex this muscle of figuring out how to create money. Um, so like for an example, as an example, like what's going on in the world right now, so many people have lost their jobs and they're all freaking out because they're just like, where am I going to get money? Where am I going to get money? And for a lot of those people, because they've been employees for so long, their creativity muscle to figure out where to get that money or to get money from is really weak. They don't understand or haven't been able, haven't had to think about like, where could I potentially get money from? And so like the first thing that like many people think of is like, what can I sell? Like, what yeah. can I sell of my own stuff <laughs> to make money? And it's like, that's great. That's a great first step. But it's also like, because you're not being put in that position where you have to think about where is my money going to come from? And that, that source or that well essentially is like dried up. It's like, yeah. okay, where else can I create money from? Or how can I provide value yeah. for money to flow in? And I love how you talk about, you know, that, that creativity muscle is not as strong. And I, I hear this uh, before and I love it. It's like, you can learn a lot just from watching children. You can learn a lot yeah. from children is that if you watch children, they're, when, we're, when we're born, we just have this huge creativity, right? We, we, it's amazing how we can be born with just this massive ability to imagine and create. And then somehow we get weaker as we get older. Mm -hmm. totally. And so children, they don't view the world the same way as we do in that it's limitless are limited children have this view of the world that it's limitless so why is it that as we get older we lose that and that is something that we have to it's it's weird to think that we have to go back to to the mindset we had as a child and that's what's going to benefit us and i can go deep into that 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 that's another you know weeded conversation but <laughs> it's just I, I i love what you said about um, that creativity muscle it's it's funny we have to re-strengthen a muscle that was initially strong when we were young and somehow got weak as we got older. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think when talking about like money is people viewing it as a finite resource. One of the things that even my own husband said to me that like completely blew my mind when like, because when you're in that, that scarcity mindset, you are so unbelievably convinced, like you said, that money is scarce and that it is finite and that it is hard to get. And in reality, the amount of money just in a single square block in my neighborhood is like dumb because you think about the value of everyone's homes. You think about the value of everyone's cars. You think about all the value of the stuff that's inside their houses, like literally just in my square block. There's multi millions of dollars in value. It may be like hard, like tangible assets, but there's multi-millions of dollars of value just in like a single square block in my neighborhood. So then you think about like, what about this area of Salem? What about the city of Salem? What about, and that's just a small, relatively small city in, in the United States in Oregon. And so it's like, yeah. when you think about money in those terms, rather than just like cash, actual physical cash that's flowing between hands, 
Like there is so much money in the world. And two, it's, it made it a lot easier for me to understand money as being an expression of energy. Mm. When we see it as an expression of energy that truly comes from the source, then you can see it as being completely infinite. Like it is always abundant. It will always come to you if you allow it. And I think that's one of the things that most people don't understand about, or that they're trying to like wrap their brains around about money and about energy and abundance as they're like, how does it flow to me? How do I do that? And I say, well, you have to allow it to come. You have to accept it. But if you're so busy being worried about where it's going to come from and how it's going to come, rather than focusing on just providing value and creating value for other people, then of course, all you're going to be doing is staring at the pothole, like the... So it's really, really interesting. But I am really curious, when you work with people, how do you see their like negative money mindset, or I should say unhelpful money mindset coming into play? Like, where does it show up for them? Uh, like, even in the way that they spend their money? Um, what I see a lot is just in one, in people's fears, um, their fears, their goals, um, you know, the things they want. And, and just that, that gap there, like, you know, I'll talk with people who, um, they, they share all these fears, all these concerns they have, all these goals they want. And then I can just look at their life or where they're living and the income that's coming in and be like, you know, there's, there's something wrong in, in that area there. And for a lot of people, it's just a lack of awareness, a lack of awareness of their own financial situation, um, a lack of awareness of what they really want. Um, and, a lack of belief that they can actually achieve it. When I speak, I always try to speak from my own experience. And what I can say is that uh, for my wife and I, when we struggled the most financially, um, it's funny is that that's the point where we had the most money coming in, right? It didn't matter um, how much money we had coming in and it didn't matter what our goals were. The problem is that we had an outcome problem. So for us, even though we were well above poverty line, we were making really good money because we had a, uh, weak financial goals, I would say for ourselves in the sense that they weren't strong emotionally. Um, we weren't attached to them um, because they weren't something that we were constantly focusing on because we weren't constantly aware of our finances and where things were going. We just had so much money coming in, but even more going out. So we are at this point where we weren't even paycheck to paycheck. I told people we were payday loan to payday loan because we wow. had much money flowing out from our account. And so for a lot of people, I, I see that similarity and I try to look, um, you know, as if I was in their situation or what my mindset was back then. So for most people, what I see is that it's, it's kind of the same thing is that we have an alcohol problem. We don't um, pay attention enough to our money, where it's going. Um, we don't, you know, we, we have these financial goals. We know we want to do these things and this thing, but how attached are we to them? Are we constantly reviewing them? Are we checking in with our spouse? That's another thing. You know, I've talked to people together, uh, spouses, is that you'll have one spouse who, you know, when I start talking with them getting opening up, it's like this is their financial goal. This other person has their financial goal. But they're not even aware of what it is the other really wants. And so it's funny, you know, when, when we get married, we're supposed to come together, live this life together, but yet we are keeping our goals separate from each other. So mm-hmm. how are we ever supposed to achieve our goals together if we're not ever sharing them, right? How are we ever supposed to really achieve our goals if we don't keep track of, of what's going on in our lives financially, where things are going? If we don't even know where we are, how can we know where it is that we want to end up? 
And, and so those are just kind of the similarities I see is just, uh, you know, kind of recapping that is we're not uh, being mindful of our, our money and where it's going. We're not um, tracking it well enough. We either maybe don't have a strong attachment to our goals. Maybe we're not even really aware of what it is that we really want. Um, and if you're a couple, are you sharing it with your spouses? Have you talked about it together? And if you are, kudos to you. But those are coming some of the uh, struggles that I, I see in some of the people I've talked with. Um, and like I said, speaking from my own personal story of what my wife and I kind of went through as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. What do you think is the biggest reason that people don't take a look at their finances and the reason why they are like they come to you and they're just like, help me holding their hands out like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> why do you think people don't look at their finances? There's a couple pieces there. You know, um, I think the first one that we don't look at our finances, the same thing, reason why we don't talk about it is coming from a place of fear. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, if you're not in control of it, if you know that something's wrong, you don't want to look at it. And we kind of just want to shove it away and hope that it goes away. Uh, but I say, you know, not talking about your finances, not addressing it is like having an open wound and never going to a doctor, you know, just, just... Yeah that you can put a band-aid on it and you know that it's gonna heal itself and go away um but we know that if you have a serious issue you know putting a band-aid over it's not gonna fix anything you gotta go to a doctor you gotta get it checked out you gotta get it seen you gotta get some help with it same thing with our finances if if our finances are a wreck we can't just shove it under the, the covers and hope that it's gonna go away and get better because it's not it's gonna get worse and then you'll find yourself in, in a deeper situation so that's number one i think is uh it's just fear right? It's, it's uncomfortable and fear is uncomfortable. And we like to avoid things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. hundred percent. Second part I think is a lack of education. Um, you know, we're not taught much about money as we grow up. We, you know, going back to what I said previously, that there's just a huge negative mindset about money anyways, that we're raised with in the world. And so then you pair that with just a lack of education about finances. Most of us were not taught how to manage our money well. Most of us were not taught um, the basic rules of money, uh, how things work, where we should put our money and stuff like that, or how to really reach our goals. And I think when you pair um, fear with just a lack of knowledge, that creates a lot of issues. So I I would say from my perception, those are the two of the bigger things I see is, is a fear and a lack of education. Oh, that's so fascinating. I just really, really think that's interesting. And it is interesting to me how that often will play out in people's lives in a multitude of areas, whether that's their their personal relationships, whether that's their work, whether that's the way that they literally, the things that they spend money on. Um, it just is so fascinating to me to see how people will really seep into that fear or they'll dig deeper into it thinking that that's the way that's going to like dig them out or that's the thing that's going to dig them out. And I guess there's definitely like two ways to approach it because some people will like, they'll be so fear-based that they like put all their money into savings and they hoard everything versus like somebody else who is like, I just don't want to deal with it. And I just want to like, ignore. And so I will not even take a look at my finances at all. And I think that's so interesting because it's more or less that same, even though it comes across as a different action, it's more or less coming from that same mentality of like, I 
don't believe that I have enough. Therefore, I am going to like do whatever it is I need to do to survive rather than think about how can I thrive and how can this be something that I'm proud to share and proud of and feel very much in control of. Yeah. And, you know, I think fear, um, I, the story, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of this, the, the parable and, you know, people forgive me if I, if I mess this up, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate it roughly from what I can remember, but the parable of the three talents, right? We've all heard that the parable of the three talents is that you had a master who had two, who had three servants. He gave each servants a set of, of coins or talents as they call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he went away, one of them took the talents and he invested them to grow and he doubled his talents. The other took his talents to the market and he spent his talents. Then the third buried his talents in the dirt. When the master came back, the one that he reprimanded was the one that buried him in the dirt. Mm-hmm. He was scared that he did not do anything with them, right? He didn't do anything with them. He let fear control them. Yeah. And I think what we can learn from that story is that, you know what, if you, if you go out and you mess up, whatever, you know, fine. Um, you can come back from that. But if you just don't do anything out of fear, then you really got to check in with yourself, right? You, you got to check in with yourself. And, um, and I also, you know, look at the other pieces, the guy, you know, the one who uh, was able to overcome fear and to educate himself, he was the one who prospered. And that was the one who went out and doubled. He didn't let control him. So he didn't bury it in the dirt. He was educated about money. He knew that he was, he was, there was a way to grow it and he found a way to do it and he doubled it. So he overcame that fear and that lack of education and was able to grow his money the most. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. And even the difference, the small difference between the person who hoards their money and is afraid to let it go versus the person who does let it go. The, energetic difference between those two is vast because it is allowing for that principle of energy and money to flow because it does flow. It flows whether we like it or not. That's the way that our economy <laughs> works. Yeah. If money is not flowing, the universe, it's, we're not following universal law, right? Yeah. And so by blocking yourself from spending money, you are also blocking yourself from receiving money. And so yeah hoarding it doesn't do you any good. And it's also basically like the money is you're, you're deeming it valueless. It has no value by sitting in your bank account. It only has value when it's exchanged for something else that you actually want or need. Yeah. So I think that's so, so interesting. Okay. So I think I have just a couple more questions. So if there's any one thing that you can say to someone about their abundance mindset versus their scarcity mindset, whether it's about money or not, what's the best advice that you can give to somebody who's trying to transition into this thinking, whether it's for their business or around their money mindset, or just in a personal development sense, like what's your best piece of advice for that person? That's like, I really want to grow and I really want to get into this mindset, but I just feel stuck and I don't know how. Like I said, you know, anything I, I share, I try to share from perspective that I'm not coming across as someone who's educated and got it all together. I'm sharing things with you that I have, I struggle with and I have to remind myself of is that you can't allow fear to control you. You, you can't allow it to control you. You have to be willing to, to make a mistake. You have to be willing to go out there and fail um, or else you're never going to get anywhere, right? You, you can't just sit there and, and allow this fear to drive you. And I know it's, it's, 
easy to do so and it can be seen very hard to overcome but start small you know find one little find one little way to step outside of your comfort zone to do something scary um, to get over that fearful mindset because if you don't ever take action then you're always going to be controlled and ran by fear and you're always going to fall into that mindset of scarcity so find one little one little action step to help you step outside of your comfort comfort zone and help you to reach your goal. And the other thing that I would say is just continuously uh, check in with yourself, check in with yourself, um, you know, check your own bullshit kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> Pay attention to the words coming out of your own mouth um, and try to look at it from an outside perspective. Like if if you were talking to you, what would you say to you? Or even better yet, what would um, a a better version of you 10 years from say to you now, or what would the ideal version of you? And I love this when people tell me this because it's one of the things I have to check in myself, right? It's like, what would a version of you 10 years from now tell yourself now? Right. And I think that's important when it comes to checking with yourself, because a lot of times we're saying all this stuff, negativity, blah, 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 is just blowing out of our mouth. And we're not even really aware. And I know for myself, I get caught in it. And when I say it to somebody else, you know, they're telling me basically what I'm saying. And I listen, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> Let's move forward. <laughs> so just... <laughs> That's so great. It is. It's so funny when you like catch yourself in your own or like somebody else catches you in your own garbage and you're just like, oh... oh yeah it is so true but you know what though and that's okay and the thing is like the only thing you can do is just like laugh it off and say all right now that I know that how do we want to move forward rather than like what some people do well they'll they'll totally dog themselves and beat themselves down and judge the crap out of themselves for thinking in a certain way And it's like, no, that just keeps you stuck. Oh, this was such a good conversation. Okay. One last, last thing. Um, I am so curious about this and this is more of a masculine feminine dynamic. And I'm sure that you've probably seen this a lot with couples. And again, whether there's, whether they're actual male and female, or there's one that is like the masculine and feminine energy, doesn't matter. But one of the things that I consistently see in people, and in a lot of ways I even see in myself is that women are more likely to make small frequent purchases at things, uh, at places like Target on things that they don't really need and men are more likely to make larger purchases less frequently, but don't feel the need to necessarily ask for permission to do so. And so when it comes to bigger purchases for women, they're just like, no, 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 I can't do that. I have to ask my husband or I have to like basically get permission versus mm-hmm. the man will just say, nope, this is something we need and we're doing it. That's it. Do you see that often? Yeah, I do. It's funny you point that out. It's like, it's one of those things I never really thought much about. Like, I know it's there. And so I love that you point that out because that is so true. And I, and I find that funny. Like, there's just these different dichotomies um, or general generalizations you see in our habits and, and genders and stuff like that. Just the way, I, and I always tell my wife this, you know, just the way men and women think is so different. It's like, I tell us like, sometimes I just give up trying to understand you. <laughs> But yeah, it's just something that I see and something I notice. And I think that it's really interesting just because like women and men don't necessarily have to have differing mentalities when it comes to money. We can be on the same page. 
but it is so important. And especially for couples to really be able to be comfortable having that conversation. And I, I can see, as you've said, when couples are not willing to have that conversation, the waters get muddy and then they get stuck and they can't move forward. So I'm sure that that is, uh, I was going to say, I'm just, I'm sure that that's something that you come across. And my encouragement is to any woman out there that's listening to this, like, don't be afraid to come to your husband with the things that you need and vice versa, husbands or male partners, masculine energy, whoever you are, don't be afraid to like spend small purchases on things that you want in the moment. Like if you have the money for it, like why the heck not? You know, it's okay to shop. Oh, it, it definitely is. Like, like you said, you know, it's, it's okay to shop. It's okay to spend your money. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But just like everything, you just got to be aware you, you yeah. gotta, and, and have some control. It's when you don't have control and you're just going out and, and splurging everything and you're not realizing that that card is going to stop at some point. If you're not mindful, that's where that danger lies. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to build that comfort. And then, you know, going back to um, what you said, the difference between men and women, I think it's, it's so important on both ends is that for women, you know, um, don't be scared to to go talk to your husband about these bigger financial matters, or um, or you know, to express your your deep concerns if you have a differing opinion in finances with your husband. At the same time, I'd also say to men because I know it can be this mentality that you know we're we're big in charge and we just make the decision. It's like you know, talk talk with your wife, talk with your spouses. You know, you're living this life together. You're doing everything together. You need to have these conversations around money together and be aware of what it is that each other wants, what your goals are, so you can really achieve this life that you want together and not just living together, but growing your life separately. Yes, snaps for that all day long. Oh, thank you, Bryant, so much. This was such an amazing conversation and I'm so thankful to have had this. And for those that don't know, Bryant has his own podcast. So Bryant, tell the people where they can find you. So right now I have my podcast. Um, It's... It's running to, onto Spotify, um, but mainly right now you can see it on anchor.fm uh, slash, I think it's a slash or, you know, the diagonal line thing. I always name it. <laughs> the slash chatterbox with Bryant Malone. Oh, that's great. Do you have any social media handles that people can find you on? Uh, not right now. So I have my Instagram page. I have my, my, uh, basic Facebook page. I'm working on getting, um, an Instagram page launched for Chatterbox and Brian Malone. So this whole, uh, social media world is something I'm learning and, and growing. And that's another aspect I'm developing in. Um, but Super I awesome. will be getting a handle soon. I'm just excited. Great. Thank you so much. This was such an amazing conversation. I'm so appreciative of you and your perspective and your words of wisdom and your life experience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I will see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.